Nebraska Public Media Sports brings you live coverage of the NSAA High School Baseball Championships from Werner Park in Omaha on Friday, May 17th. Catch the Class C game at noon Central, Class B game at 3.30 p.m. Central, and Class A at 7 p.m. Central on Nebraska Public Media. You're listening to Hurt at Sports Radio. Kicking off hour number three here on Hurt at Sports Radio. We're on AM 590 ESPN Omaha, ESPN Tri-Cities, and KFOR in Lincoln for hour number three. I'm Ravi Lula. Andrew Rogers here with me, and we are brought to you by Alumni Hall. Alumni Hall is your ultimate Husker shopping experience, especially as it gets cold out there. you got to get that cold weather Husker gear. Mm-hmm. Alumni Hall has you covered with the best and largest selection of apparel for the whole family. Adidas, Champion, Columbia. Get some of that cold weather Columbia Husker gear. You're good to go. They've got gifts, accessories, whatever you need. If you're a UNL student, faculty, or military, you get 10% off in-store. And as always, you're going to earn cash back with their Hall Pass rewards. Visit their two great Lincoln locations, P Street Downtown or South Point Pavilion, or you can visit them anytime at alumnihall.com. Alumni Hall, where Husker fans shop. As the only time it's okay to use a Hall Pass. Exactly. The <laughs> We are efforting our friend Kevin Sweeney from SI.com to – talk about college basketball here which I told you I'm super excited about because yeah you know this time of year is great and I hope other people think like me because like I don't sit back and just do research all year round like John Fanta or um you know like any of other great guests like Kevin Sweeney for example but Mm -hmm. like this is the time where I get to like open up the college basketball book for dummies (laughs) and I get to ask like very generic questions to just talk about the season as a whole. Yeah, get a little primer for the yeah, season. Yeah, like, oh, my goodness. You get to talk about, like, the best teams to the worst teams to mm-hmm. your teams and your uh, uh, your conference to, you know, how is the Big East, the Big 12, whatever conference mm-hmm. is the best conference. Like, you get to ask any question you want about players, this, that, and the other, and more times than not, you won't ever be wrong to ask a question about the health of somebody outside of maybe Casey Tomonaga. Uh, yeah. Well, hopefully um, it's not too serious. I think I think I think I'm hoping it's a short-term injury. Right, but just get like the answers you're looking for to to look for the future of the season. So mm-hmm. that that's what I'm looking forward to whenever we get Kevin on the line. Yeah, you mentioned uh, Nebraska yesterday had their exhibition win over Doan 84-53. Uh, Tomonaga did have that ankle injury, but it sounds like it may not be too serious. Uh, joining us now here on the Warhorse Sportsbook Hotline is Kevin Sweeney. He is covering college basketball for Sports Illustrated. Kevin, how are you this morning? Good, guys. Appreciate you having me on. Yeah, absolutely. We are excited about college basketball season getting going here pretty soon. Um, let's start with, I mean, there was kind of some big college basketball news this morning. Cooper Flag ends up committing to Duke. Uh, how would you say, I know John Shire has been killing it on the recruiting trail. How would you evaluate the job that he's done in taking over for Coach K here early on? Yeah, he's done an awesome job. And, you know, I, I don't necessarily think it was a given, right? I mean, obviously Duke has all the advantages built in right now, but at the end of the day, we've seen enough big power brands falter when the legendary coach moves on over 
the course of college basketball history. So the fact that they're recruiting as well, if not better, than they ever have under Shire is, is really impressive. And you know, Flag's the type of guy that, that will give you a chance to compete for a national title no matter what, just because he impacts the game in so many ways. He's an incredibly fun player to watch on you know the, the summer circuits this past year. And, you know, talk about year one under Shire, win the ACC tournament, make you know get a five seed despite dealing with a lot of injuries. Year two, they're a preseason top five team. And then, you know, heading into year three with Flag, it, it feels like the program's in a really healthy place right now. Kevin, uh, let's talk about the Big 12 and how powerful they are after all the conference realignment. Yes, you lose Oklahoma, you lose Texas, but adding Houston and Arizona seem like good replacements. How much are you looking forward to watching the new and improved Big 12 conference? Yeah, I think it's going to be awesome. I mean, obviously, I'll miss the 10-team double-round robin schedule that they were able to do the last several years that I think has something special to it where you play everybody twice, but um, the league is really accumulating great college basketball brands, and I think that's going to be awesome for the sport. I remember two years ago, I think there was a lot of people thinking the Big 12 was going to die, and the fact that not only is it it alive, but is doubling down on on basketball is is great for the national college hoops landscape, right? We'll never have quite the power of the old Big East, right? Because every, every school that is involved in football is going to make football decisions first, but to have a league that seems equally invested in being great at basketball with brands like Kansas, Arizona, you know, Houston, Baylor, you know, the list goes on, but also, you know, some really big time football powers. I, I think the, the, the combination of that has, has a chance to be really, really fun. Kevin, uh, you know, I, I know that we kind of always take these exhibition or charity games with a, ga- a grain of salt here. I guess what do you make of Illinois knocking off the preseason number one Kansas in, in their exhibition? Yeah, I went down and, and saw that game yesterday in Champaign. I thought they looked really good. I mean, obviously, look, Illinois was one of the best teams in the country last year mm-hmm. when Terrence Shannon and Coleman Hawkins made threes, right? Like you look back and they played – you know, they beat UCLA, they beat Texas. Like, the box score there is one of those dudes went nuclear. And that's what they did yesterday. They made mm-hmm. nine threes combined. That's probably not going to happen every night. But I thought Illinois just looked more comfortable, more stable. They had a lot of personalities on that team last year. And mm-hmm. I think that's one of the big reasons they have to achieve. This team is a lot more level-headed. And I thought they navigated some of the tense moments when Kansas was able to tie the game in the second half and, and played really well. So, they're, they're very deep. They're very athletic. Their positional size is really impressive. And, and Shannon is one of the best players in the country. I think this Illinois team could be pretty darn good. Kevin, speaking of exhibition losses, how clear is it that Rick Pitino's St. John's team is still a work in po- progress after their loss to a Division Two opponent? It, it, it's funny. I mean, they've, they've played two games now. They played Rutgers last week and then Pace. Last, last week they are blowing out Rutgers at the half, and everyone has given Patino the national championship in year one. Now, now the, the that game goes to overtime. They win the game still, and now you have this D2 game. I think it's just going to be up and down. They, they had some pretty key guys out, three potential starters, Jordan Dingle from Yale, Joel Soriano, their big guy, and then RJ is going to be out of bed. He has a broken hand. But you know, that was a surprise. Um, you know, it, he, He's a magnificent coach, but anytime you're trying to incorporate 12 new players, there's just going to be moments like that. Maybe not lose-to-pace moments like you necessarily <laughs> wouldn't expect, but um, it's going to be a little bit rocky early. I think they'll be good. I think they'll be a tournament team. 
I'm not I'm not selling all the stock, but uh, yesterday certainly not an encouraging performance. <laughs> Kevin, I've held myself back as long as possible. I've got to ask you some Creighton questions now. Um, A whole four minutes. I have. I've, I've restrained myself incredibly. Um, <laughs> Creighton, obviously, uh, coming off of that Elite Eight run very nearly in the Final Four. Uh, they bring back some key pieces. They lose a couple key pieces, still ranked in the top ten preseason. Uh, as you look at this Creighton team from a national perspective, um, I guess what are your thoughts on them and their potential this season? Yeah, I think they're right there in, in the Big East race. I mean, there's not a lot separating them, Marquette, and UConn in my mind. And I also think Villanova could wind up in that category as well with their talent level. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're going to be really hard to guard, obviously. I, I think you know people nationally probably don't understand how good Stephen Ashworth is. Mm-hmm. He is he's the real deal. And I think Couldn't he's agree more. In, in some ways, more dynamic than Nembhard was. He may not be a better true point guard, but his ability to shoot the basketball, his ability to create ball screens is as good as anyone in the country. Combine that with Alexander and, and Shireman, that's an awesome backcourt. Paul Brenner, one of the most valuable players in the country. I mean, I, I think this team will be right there. Defensively, some questions, especially with you know, Miller potentially swapping in for Kaluma at the four spot. I just think the athleticism there and the physicality that Kaluma brought was, was probably more valuable on that end, but yeah, Kalk Renner protecting, protecting at the rim, and, and, and that will keep the defense in, in good hands. I think this credit team will be really awesome. Well, it, maybe try to further the expectation there for me, Kevin. Being seconds away from going to the Final Four last year, do you think Creighton has the firepower to get there this year? Like, Are you confident in saying that Creighton is a Final Four team? I think they're a Final Four level team. Um, that's, that's my great hedge, uh, but <laughs> I think they're certainly good enough, right? Like when you, when you look around the landscape and you're saying there's pro- I think there's probably 15 or 20 teams on paper. I say that team has real expectations that they could get to a final four. They have the talent, they have the coaching, they have the experience. I think Creighton certainly checks that box. Kevin, you know, I want, I want to talk with the Big East just a little bit more here. You know, you mentioned UConn being in that same kind of upper tier of the Big East, and rightfully so. They do lose some important pieces from that national title team last year. I guess, do you, do you have any level of concern about them replacing a guy like Sonogo and Hawkins, or do you think just the way they've recruited, they're, they're in good shape moving forward? I think they're in good shape. I mean, look, it's it's never easy to replace guys of that caliber. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually think maybe the hardest guy to replace for them will be Andre Jackson. Yeah, fair. Because his contributions are so difficult to replicate defensively, his passing ability. right? Like They brought in Cam Spencer from Rutgers to be a shooter. He shot 43% last year, Rutgers from three. If Klingon at the five to replace Sonogo, he's obviously going to be really, really good. Mm-hmm. But... You know, they they had such a great mix last year. They had the athleticism, they had the passing ability, they had the shooting with Hawkins. They had so many ways to beat you, and I think maybe they'll be a little. They they won't be quite as dominant this year, but I still think with with the talent that they have, particularly up front with with Alex Caravan and Alex Caravan and Donovan Klingon, I think they're going to be really really competitive in the Big East once again. Kevin, despite winning the title last year, UConn one spot behind Marquette to open the year in the preseason rankings. Do you think Marquette is truly the team to beat in the Big East, or is that conference so strong it's a roll of the dice? Any night this conference is in action. Yeah, I think it's it's a toss-up, right? I think they're 
they've earned that respect because they won the regular season and the tournament last year, and they have so much back with, with Tyler Kolek, Cam Jones, and, and Aguadero up front. Um, you know, I think the big question for them is how do they replace Omax Prosper, their starting power forward last year? Mm-hmm. Because you know, he was so valuable defensively. That was not a great defensive team last year, but his athleticism and his ability to guard multiple spots was, was really key. They're going to replace him with David Joplin, who's more of a scoring wing. I think he could make their offense even harder to stop, but they have to be able to lock down defensively to, to really win this conference, right? There's going to be cold nights offensively. And so without Omax, that's the thing I'm looking for is how, how do they defend early in the year? We're talking with Kevin Sweeney of Sports Illustrated covering college basketball. Uh, Kevin, I know you do some NBA draft coverage as well. Looking at the college basketball landscape this year, who are some guys that are playing for high-level teams that you're excited about as far as their NBA draft prospects in the spring? Yeah, this draft is pretty wide open, uh, particularly from the standpoint that – there just is there there isn't a ton in the twenty twenty three high school class mm-hmm. that has NBA teams super excited. There's one point guard Isaiah Collier who's at USC who people think is going to mm-hmm. be awesome. He had a great great high school career, but there's some room for returning guys to play their way into the top ten, and that's not super common, mm-hmm. um, right? So Donovan Klingon at UConn would be an example of that. Um, Tyrese Proctor at Duke would certainly be another example of that. UConn as a, as a freshman, Stephon Castle. Uh, who I think will be be in the mix, and then you know Baylor, Jacoby Walter, his, he's a wing that I think will will rise pretty quickly. So um, it's a bit more wide open. Obviously, last year you entered the, the college basketball season like, all right, Wemby's number one, Scoot Henderson's number two, <laughs> and Brandon Miller obviously played his way into that. But there was there was a bit of there was a bit of certainty at the top of the draft, and this year we don't have that early on. Kevin, a couple of Creighton guys. What do you think the draft ceilings on Trey Alexander and Ryan Kalkbrenner are? You know, Alexander could maybe play his way into the back end of the first round. Mm-hmm. I have some questions about him just explosiveness-wise. He's not the not the shiftiest player, but he's just so skilled that, you know, if he has a big-time year and, and helps Creighton win, he'll have an opportunity to play his way into maybe that first-round conversation. I see Paul Brenner more as like a second-round, two-way contract type of guy. Mm-hmm. I will say I saw his pro day last year uh, in Chicago and was really impressed with how he shot the ball. We'll see if that actually manifests itself into anything during college games. I don't think that's really his plan. Sure. But he did look really comfortable stretching the floor, and that's going to be important for his NBA future. Kevin, Ravi asked you about guys that, you know, will have big careers after the college level. Uh, but I'm kind of going to go on the other end of the spectrum here, and, and maybe they still could have a big career, um, you know, going pro someday. But are there any players that you're keeping a close eye on to bounce back after a down year last year? That's a good question. Um, you know, there's two guys particularly coming off injury, right? Like Justin Moore was an All-American level player at Villanova. Mm-hmm. There's his Achilles right before the 2022 Final Four. He came back and was okay down the stretch last year, but wasn't himself. And, and I think if he's, if he's healthy, that's a, that's a huge difference maker for, for them. Um, excited to see him hopefully bounce back and, and be healthy. Kind of the same thing, Indiana's point guard, Xavier Johnson. He dealt with a foot injury. He's been up and down in his career. If he bounces back, it could be huge for, for that group. So, yeah, I think, I think it's more, more hunting injuries uh, mm. than anything else. But, you know, certainly, certainly those guys are good examples of, of, of dudes with major, major potential in college basketball just 
you know, had a tough go of it lately. Kevin, you mentioned earlier you think there's maybe 15 to 20 teams you would mark as Final Four caliber type teams. Who are some of the teams either towards the back end of that group or maybe even outside of that group that you think have some dark horse Final Four potential? I, I think UCLA has got has kind of flown under the radar, and, and part of that is they have some eligibility questions. They have two international freshmen who are potential first-round picks, a day Marat, uh, from Spain, and then Burke Buyukinsel, which is going to be a tough pronunciation for everyone this year. Um, those two guys are like top 20 level picks. If they're cleared to play, UCLA is going to have as much talent as pretty much anyone in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that that's a group right now. Can I get him picked third, fourth in the Pac-12, back half of the you know, top 25 nationally? Like that, that group has the talent to be right there. And I also mentioned, I mentioned Villanova earlier, like, Villanova, if Jay Wright was coaching this team, would be a consensus top five preseason team, national title favorite. And, you know, instead some questions with Kyle Neptune entering year two, they've got so much talent that, that I'm inclined to buy in and, and, and think Neptune can figure it out and, and make this team really click. Kevin, who's a team you take notice of entering this year and can't believe where they are as a program right now? So whether good or bad, it just shocks you to see them way low in the rankings or way up there. Man, that's a that's a that's a loaded question. <laughs> um, I, I, I think I think when when you look around and and realize that like when you realize that Miami's been to two consecutive elite eights. Mm. That's Especially after Jim Laranega had been, you know, really put on the hot seat. Like, people were wondering when was Miami going to push Jim Laranega into retirement. To have those two seasons back-to-back and now be a preseason top 15 team, I believe, in the AP poll, um, have the talent back that they do, have the talent incoming that they do from the portal, and then an international kid, Tyshawn George, who's going to be really good. Like, the health of that program has been really, really shocking, I think, if you, you map this thing back a couple of years. Because... It was, it was certainly not a guarantee. I mean, Larnig has just done a tremendous job getting it right, and he seems uh, happy to not be retiring anytime. <laughs> yeah, because it's funny that you bring up Miami. I was going to go to another ACC school that I was going to go on the other end of that spectrum and call out UNC. Like, after being the, the number one team coming into the – coming into the season last year and now they are 19th in the country and feel it just feels like UNC should not be that low like that's a blue blood type school that should never be 19th to open the year yeah uh, and a ton to prove right I mean they, they've, they've earned being 19th or even lower potentially after what happened last year mm-hmm. but I also have watched some of the the tape from their early season stuff they played a non-D1 team yes again that's different competition and everyone understands that but on paper, this Carolina team could really bounce back with the uh, athleticism that they have, the talent in the backcourt that they have. And I think just ending the Caleb Love relationship, obviously he's super talented, but I, I think it helps them that he's no longer there and gives them an opportunity to, to reset, give R.J. Davis the keys, and also still have Baycott down low. Kevin, you know, we've seen a lot of, of darlings make the, the uh, Final Four Florida Atlantic was certainly one of those teams last year. We don't often see those teams kind of repeat that success, but 
Florida Atlantic, obviously really well regarded, bring a lot back, and they're number 10 in the country this year. How do you view the the fortunes of the Owls coming off of that impromptu run? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I mean, they have enough pieces to be really good again, right? This was a, a top 25 team in the advanced analytics before the NCAA tournament. So it's not like this team came out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you just don't look at them talent-wise and say that's a Final Four, a national title-level team. Uh, and that's the case with all these you know, mid-major darlings, right? I, and I've talked to a lot of people who were involved in that Loyola-Chicago run in 2018, uh, and one of the things they said was that you just can't replicate or even understand, sometimes until you're out of it, how much pressure every night you were under to live up to the standard you set yourself the previous year. And, you know, FAU has said all the right things. Oh, we're ready for the challenge. We're, you know, we, we can't wait to get back on the floor. You know, we, you know we're, we're prepared to go all the way this time. But I, I just think it's really going to weigh on them. And that's why I'm at a bit lower on them in the preseason. I still think they're a tournament team. Still think there's a good chance they wind up as a top 25 team. But uh, I, I don't think people totally understand the challenge of wearing those expectations, particularly as a team that just isn't that talented. They have two kind of fringe pros in John L. Davis and Elijah Martin, but this is not a team that's going to overwhelm anyone with its, with its size, its athleticism. They have to beat people with, with being together, and I think the, 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 the challenge of, of all the expectations will wear on them. Kevin, you mentioned Caleb Love's name uh, in, in a previous answer, and I, and I am curious – to what he's going to bring to that Arizona team, but maybe maybe more um, expanded on, on this question, who's a transfer that you think is going to make the biggest impact this year? Like, is it just as easy to say it's, it's, it's Hunter Dickinson and that's it? Or is there another guy that you kind of like that's like, no, he's going to have a bigger impact on that team? Yeah, I mean, Hunter's going to get a 20 and 10. I, mean, I, I didn't think Hunter played that well yesterday against Illinois, and I looked up and he had 22 and 9. <laughs> Um, I I also do buy into a bit of a a Caleb Love bounce back. I think Arizona's the right situation for him to be in. But if you're looking for, like, pure impact on one team, I think Tyler Perry at Kansas State is a guy that people are going to want to know. I mean, they they were so good last year in the portal, um, and that was a big reason why Jerome Tank's team had so much success. And Tyler Perry was the best player on North Texas, which won the NIT. Um, he's a super fun-to-watch scoring combo guard, undersized, but can really, really shoot the basketball. Uh, and I think he's going to average you know, 17, 18 points a game on a NCAA tournament team out of the Big 12. So uh, it's transfers to you can't do much better than that. And what do you think about Arthur Kaluma at K-State? I mean, I, w- I was down on him by the end at, at Creighton, maybe unfairly so. I mean, obviously, you know, he was a victim of the expectations put on him. Right? I, I think he's still a good enough player, but the idea that he's going to step in and beat Keontae Johnson for them, that feels, mm. that feels really aggressive. I think he has a chance to have a good year, but I don't think he, he's ready to explode there, if that makes sense. Kevin, we'll put you on the spot and get you out of here on this. Let's uh, give us a let's give us a national title prediction for this year, and, and obviously this is very serious, and we'll have to hold you to it. Uh, maybe this is overreacting to uh, a one one exhibition game, but Tennessee, I think, has a chance to be awesome. I'd already picked them to win the SEC and be a top five team nationally, but 
if their offense is what it looked like yesterday, particularly given that they were without two of their best yards, mm -hmm. they just have too much shooting and skill not to be really good. Give me there. the guys with the fun pants. There we go. Kevin Sweeney from Sports <laughs> Illustrated. We appreciate your time. I'm sure we'll check in throughout the year. Thanks, guys. Hey, thanks, Kevin. That's Kevin Sweeney from Sports Illustrated. Coming up next, it's time for Andrew's favorite game of the week. I've been dreading this all day. Shane's World coming up next here on Herd at Sports Radio.